Yo, this is Steve Bloom, the voice of Zeb in Star Wars Rebels. And you are listening to Star Wars Bookworms. Even men like Talon Card occasionally make mistakes. This is the Chimera. Launch the attack. Time to go to work. You won't let me get killed, will you? Is that what I was supposed to be doing here? I should have brought my lightsaber. So apparently I underestimated your ability to get people to email us. You apparently did. I did. Even if they just email us to say hi and nothing else. Yeah. I Yeah, we got more emails, I think, in this past break. I don't know. What do you call the time between our episodes? Um, we, reading time. Reading time. <laughs> we got more emails in this past reading time than I think we've ever gotten. Yeah, like ever in the whole entire so, um, what life, I guess, of the show. So we're gonna no one ever be, emails us. We're definitely gonna be spending a decent portion of this episode looking at those emails, reading those emails, just as promised. Because we'll be, we want you guys to email us more. Right. So yeah, so we have that going on this episode. Yep, and then updates on the book club this month. It is February. It's February 8th, and we are doing Before the Awakening and Moving Target as the two books in the book club. Have you been checking in over there this month? I have been. We had picked those books to do, and then I kind of didn't di- diligently jump into the book, the Goodreads, and actually make the threads like the the comment threads for it (laughs) so people were starting to comment just on the regular like february book thread their thoughts on the books and i was like i should probably go over there and do that so i did actually did that today which is today is as we're recording february 8th so i guess i'm about eight days late but we've got some stuff going on um we have a thread for Poe's story for ray's story and for finn's story and we have a bunch of posts on february book and uh that is funny I like to go back because sometimes I don't check it all the time. And so I go back and read everybody's comments and then feel badly about myself. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're not happy with what we picked? No, because I don't check in enough and like participate in the conversation enough. So I feel bad. We did have one commenter who said that he will be back when we read adult books. Oh. So he <laughs> he was not happy, I think. with the, He was well, not thrilled. I don't. He He didn't say it in a mean way, but it was... It was definitely like, yeah, um, I'll pass on this month and I'll come back when you guys are reading uh, Twilight Company. So. Oh, I thought <laughs> that's funny because I thought you were about to say Twilight, and I'm like, wrong book club. Yeah, Twilight's not. <laughs> it's also not an adult book. That is not. Well, you know, mm, Breaking Dawn a little bit is. I would not let my teenage person, daughter or son, read that. It's a little bit bad. So, what episode number are we up to? 52! Episode 52 of Star Wars Bookworms. Episode 052! Which we will be doing a lot of feedback, and we're going to be doing a review of the Star Wars The Force Awakens Visual Dictionary. And there is a reason that we're doing that. Do we want to tell everyone? Are we going to announce it before we actually do it, or we want to make sure it happens before we announce it? It's completely up to you. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's happening. It's been confirmed. You know how things can fall through. True. Well, we can we can announce what is supposed to happen. Sounds good. Okay. And then want... if it doesn't happen, we will find somebody who just goes by a same similar either first name or last name and interview them. Yes. <laughs> even if we don't even know if they like Star Wars. 
Um, okay, so do you want me to say or do you want to say? You go ahead. We're like building up the anticipation. Everybody's like, what are they talking about right now? We, fingers and toes and everything crossed, hope that everything goes through correctly. And we will have an interview for you guys with the amazing Pablo Hidalgo on our next episode. It will be an interview episode where we'll be talking to Pablo all about the Force Awakens Visual Dictionary, being a part of the story group, loving Star Wars, and things like um, Transformers. Transformers? He loves Transformers. He does, in G.I. Joe, I think. Yeah. So we're going to dive into who is Pablo Hidalgo here on Star Wars Bookworms, if everything goes great. Yeah, so in this episode, we're going to be reviewing the Visual Dictionary. Next episode, hopefully, will be a review with Pablo Hidalgo. So it's the <laughs> yeah, timing. we'll be reviewing Pablo Hidalgo. <laughs> the timing is nice. It um, is. It's very nice. Some... And I want to go ahead and t- have a shout-out to the folks at DK Publishing that have been helping us set all of that up. It's awesome. We appreciate it. You rock. So before we get into our review of that mm-hmm. book, we did get a ton of emails. By a ton, I mean nine. And so... <laughs> only nine. One, two, three, four, five, I think... Six, what are eight, we going to do? Just re- it is not. Are we just going to read through them and then kind of... I think some of them are it's asking helpful. for our opinions on stuff. Some of them are just we'll regular comments. Them. We'll read through them and comment as we go along. How's that sound? All right. I'll go first. Sounds good. All right. We're going to just read these in the order that they came. So we're not we're not giving any preference to anyone. The order they were received. Right. So this is from Chet Melema. And he says, Really enjoyed your aftermath discussion. My first read through the book was before The Force Awakens. After I saw the movie a couple times, the read through the visual dictionary and some of the other time material, I revisited aftermath and what a difference. There are a ton of seeds planted throughout the book that affect the galaxy at the time of The Force Awakens. Some require a bit of extrapolation and others are more overt. Snap slash Tim and Wexley obviously being direct, but others are much more subtextual. Then he says, see below. That indicates how long this email is. <laughs> he continues, I do not think, however, there is much of a chance the epilogue mystery man is either Thrawn or Snoke. Well, that's a bummer. If it was Thrawn, EU readers would be up in arms and it would be quite unoriginal on Wendig's part. Okay, I have a question really quick. Let's save it till well, after people, I read no. the email. <laughs> it's good when you comment as you go along. So okay. You don't forget. Okay. All right. Okay. The just the phrase "up in arms." Where does that come from? Because like, do people really just throw their arms up in the air and they're like, "I'm so up in arms right now." Oh, definitely. Or does it have to do with like uh, military or something? I'm sure there's a website that you can go and Google that one. I don't know well, where. Well, while you read, I will look yeah. for it. Yeah, you figure out the origin of up in arms, and I'll continue this email. Okay, so he says, If it was Thrawn, EU readers would be up in arms, and it would be quite unoriginal on Wendig's part. There are a ton of Timothy Zahn fans out there, to say the least. And other than it being a man, I don't see much evidence that it is Snoke. Quite the contrary, in my opinion. We know Snoke was around before, during, and after the Empire, and watched it from afar, per the TFA novelization. Also, a force user of his power and someone who is clearly obsessed with ruling those around him would not have been able to hide in the Imperial Navy, Palpatine's Imperial Navy, and be relegated to merely admiral status. And Palpatine didn't discover his force sensitivity during his decades-long rule. 
Finally, the tie-in materials to The Force Awakens go out of their way to hint and indicate that the First Order rose from the ashes and remnants of the Empire, and in the unknown regions of the galaxy. This is likely where Snoke has been up until the time of The Force Awakens. And he goes on. Consider this discussion by the Emperor's former counselor, Tashu, in Aftermath. And now he's quoting the book. Palpatine felt that the universe beyond the edges of our maps was where his power came from. Over the many years, he, with our aid, sent men and women beyond known space. They built labs and communication stations on distant moons, asteroids, out there in the wilds. We must follow them, retreat from the galaxy, go out beyond the veil of stars. We must seek the source of the dark side like a man looking for a wellspring of water. That's the end of the book quote. Tashu recommends that the Empire leave the galaxy, but not as a retreat. The, Empire, the Emperor's advisor knows about something on the edge of the galaxy, something that might be a clue to the source of the dark side. The other Imperials don't take to this plan, but maybe it gives us a clue as to where the Imperial remnants go after the Battle of Jakku and how Snoke gets involved. Sorry for the digression. Really did like your latest pod. Looking forward to more. Chet. Yes. Thoughts? Um, he gets really deep for me. Um, I don't really think that detailed, which is makes me sound dumb, but I don't. Um, I still like my theory that his that it's actually Voldemort who's crossed franchises into Star Wars. Oh man, he's Voldy Snoke. Well, I like that he brought up Tashu, the advisor. Mm-hmm. I don't think we really did get a chance to talk much about that in our review. No, we didn't. And it was it, it was a very interesting character, and even the the part of the book that he quoted there was all very interesting. I think he he makes some valid points. I do think that it's likely that I kind of agree with him that the. Uh, the mystery, the mystery man at the end wasn't Snoke or Thrawn, so I definitely agree with him there. And um, you know his points about Thrawn or about Snoke probably being kind of on the you know the outside of the galaxy at this point and kind of watching from afar. I kind of I think I think he's onto something there. Well, when we get the next couple books, we'll know. Okay, so up in arms, meaning. Being very, very angry or upset about something, having feelings of indignation, feeling infuriated at a person or a thing. Now, weapon, the origin of this, weapons can be referred to as arms. Hence, if a person was at arms or in arms, it meant they were equipped with weapons and armor ready to fight. Swords, clubs, daggers, so on, used to be an add-on to the arms. Therefore, at arms or in arms. The Phrase appears in writing from different plays in the late 1500s, one of those being King Richard III by William Shakespeare. It is believed to have been written around 1591, and there is a line that reads, March on, march on, since we are up in arms, if not to fight with foreign enemies, yet to beat down those rebels here at home. So, it came from military stuff. Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I was just curious. <laughs> you know, we just say stuff and we don't really think about it. Because we've just, you know, people just say it. And thank, so you get used to saying it. Thank goodness for the internet now that we can look, I know. We can look all this crazy stuff up. All right. Our next email is from an awesome guy who claims that Disney Vault Talks Rebel Yell is the best Rebels review podcast on the internet. It's a true story. Steven Sh- from... Shameless plug. 
<laughs> Steven or Skaldron from Roku Depot. He sent us an email. He says, hey, Star Wars Bookworms, I just finished listening to episode number 51. And despite my own opinions of Aftermath, I enjoyed the episode. As a big fan of Star Wars literature, I've been listening to your show since the beginning. While there aren't too many podcasts out there that focus solely on Star Wars literature, your show is definitely one of my favorites. I always look forward to hearing your opinions on new books, and I certainly appreciate it when you review some of the younger reader stuff, as I don't always seek that out. So there's some books I miss out on. And it's always good to hear about a book that might fly under a fan's radar and is deserving of another look. Anyways, keep up the good work, and I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say about Greg Rucka's Before the Awakening. I really enjoyed the book. Skaldrin. Well, I can't wait to review that either, but because we had so many emails, we're not doing it on this episode, so it's coming up maybe on episode 54? 53? 50. 53 is his interview. Oh, yeah, 54. 54? Yeah, so it's coming, though. Sooner rather than later. Thank you, Steven. All right. This next email is from Tim Hernandez. He says, Hey, guys, love the show and have been trying to catch up with the new canon books. You guys are way ahead of me, but I'll get there. I was wondering what you guys thought of the new EU in regards to time it is currently focusing on. I know that a lot of it will be focused on a large on the large gap between Jedi and Awakens, but do you have interest in other time periods? I know people hate on the prequels, but I think more novels set in the time of the Old Republic would be awesome. I even like the idea of a story from the point of view of Senator Organa as the Republic changes to an empire, and he is raising a young Leia. The political and personal stories could be pretty exciting, I think. Let me know what you guys think. Thanks, Tim. I am all down for Old Republic anything. So I'm, I welcome all of that. Um, as far as your suggestion on Senator Argonna, I'd never really given much thought to that. But I, am, I can say I'm really excited about Bloodline by Claudia Gray. Um, I know it doesn't have anything to do with the timeline you're talking about, but it does have to do with Leia. True. <laughs> Where, I, if you could pick a part, uh, a time, a time, a part of the, the timeline, is there a section that you would like for them to start doing books about? I think for me, I really want to just see the gap between Jedi and uh, the Force Awakens filled because I think that's that's what is such a mystery right now. So that's what I'm the most interested in. Um. Beyond that, I think it would be cool to go back into the Old Republic time. He does mention the Old Republic here. Um, I know I don't know if he's referring to the Old Republic here as the prequel era, because it kind of sounds like that's what he's talking about. But I'm thinking of Old Republic more as like ancient, like the I'm like, talking like Bane Old Republic. Right. I'm talking like Lost Sith Old Republic. Right. And it's kind of interesting because the Old Republic era is probably the least affected by the new canon. So For real. A lot of that oh, stuff. Oh, it's so good because it can influence like everything. <laughs> so part of me wishes they'll just leave it alone so it kind of still fits and you can kind of keep it in your head canon. Here's uh, what I want them to do. Just because it just popped in my head. I want them to t- take the Bane books and then I want them to reprint them without the Legends banner and say this is canon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's probably not going to happen. Because Rain it, on my parade. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of books out there i think that i would love to see brought into canon but i think they're going to keep all the legends legends now it doesn't mean that we can't get bane books or they can just have him write another one (laughs) plus we've seen 
the like canon version of Bane in the Clone Wars, and it seems yeah. very different from the novels. So, mm, not really. Just his image looks different. He doesn't right. look like the Bane I have in my head. So yeah, I don't know. I think uh, the Old Republic would be a cool era to revisit, and I I'm looking forward to once we kind of establish the movies and stuff that they start to get a little bit more explorative when it comes to the different eras of, of Star Wars. But they already are kind of going back into the prequel era right now with the uh, Obi-Wan Anakin comic series. So, mm. hmm. All right, next email, Michael Shanahan. And I'm getting off easy, Aaron. Oh, no. It just says, end of message. That's all it says. It says, hi, first subject line and end of message. I said I'd read them. Yeah, you did. I read it. I didn't think. uh, Hi, Michael. How are you? I hope you hear this. Write us back. Let me know how your day was on the day of February 8th. I hope you had a good day. We were tempting fate. Or you were tempting fate when you said. (laughs) What are you doing for Valentine's Day? Do you have somebody to do something with for Valentine's Day? Keep in mind, Valentine's Day is a Hallmark holiday. You don't have to. No teddy bears, no chocolate, no flowers. Do something cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. If you, okay, wait, wait. I have a good. I have a good one. I'm gonna spin off from this. If you could give a Star Wars book to someone, it could be anybody. It doesn't matter who it is. On Valentine's Day, let's say the person wanted to get into Star Wars books. All right, and it has to be new canon. All right, which book would you give them? Say, read this. I would say Lost Stars. Me too. I think it's a great Valentine's book. That would be a good Valentine's Day book. (laughs) Yep. Your turn. So thanks, Mike, for the hi. Um, I think we got a couple of those. Let's see here. We got an email here from Adam DeJanes. DeJanes? DeJanes. DeJanes. It's from Adam. From Adam, the subject line is hi. Just wanted to say hello to you both. This is Adam in Wisconsin, and I enjoy listening to both your takes on all these books. I work all night, and it's nice hearing all about these books. I don't have time to read. Thanks, guys. That's not the first person that's told us that they listen to our podcast, but they don't actually read the books. Yeah. So I think some people use it almost as just a way to keep up with the books and like get a summary, but without actually reading them. That's so, cool. Yeah. I do like that. I'm sorry we're behind, but um, hopefully we're giving you some time to catch up on your podcast listening. So in between us, you can listen to things like Bad Wolf Radio if you like Doctor Who or um, Fangirls Going Rogue if you like listening to Girls Talk, you know, Disney movies, Disney Vault Talk, you know, there's other stuff out there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to plug all of yeah, You're plugging everything. Go ahead. <laughs> All right, well, keep listening, and if you ever have any questions about the books, maybe we didn't cover something that you are interested in, that you heard, and you want us to elaborate more, just send it to us in an email. All right, from Corey, he says, You said you needed email, and I need more Star Wars friends in my life, so everyone wins. Winners! I've only been reading Star Wars books for the last two years or so. I've read everything in the new canon and maybe 15 to 20 Legends books. Dude, he, he's read more than me. In two years. <laughs> I, know. I know. I noticed that when I saw that. I was like, that's impressive. He's read more Legends. All of the new canon, which is, I don't know how many there are now, but that's a decent number of novels. And then you got yeah. 15, 20. Yeah, so he's getting, he's approaching 30 novels in two years. That's amazing. It's good stuff. 
I love them both equally, and the hashtag give us legends guys hurt my soul. They're just stories. <laughs> Two questions, just for fun. Number one, if you could pick one or maybe one series of Legends books that would be declared part of the official canon, what would it be? I know, I know, I know, I but you go it. first. You already you said your first. answer. No, I have to say it again. You go. See, I guess you have to eliminate any book that wouldn't fit in with the new canon, right? No. It's not any, like I could say. Any, no, no, no. Any Legends book or series, that's what his question says. Of there's, He didn't put any stipulations. There are none. Correct. But if I said something like the New Jedi Order, that would make no sense at all because it can't fit into the new canon. Who cares? He's just the, There's no stipulations. Well, I'm putting stipulations on myself. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I'm going to go with... Um, I think one that actually would still fit really well is Kenobi. I think that'd be a cool addition to the canon, and I wish they would just go ahead and say that's canon. Yeah. All right. I'll go with Kenobi. I'm going to say the Darth Bane trilogy. Yeah. Surprise! Surprise. <laughs> Which could also still fit, and we know Bane is a character that was actually, um, at least George Lucas came up with the idea of the character of Bane. So, mm -hmm. so Yeah. I mean, if there's any character that should... And we know that Bane is canon because he was in the Clone Wars. So why not just make that trilogy canon? There we go. That's yeah. what I'm saying. There you go. Number two. What are you hoping gets covered in upcoming Star Wars novels? For me, I'm hoping and expecting an epic Ahsoka Tano novel that bridges the gap between the Clone Wars and Rebels. Additionally, and seriously, I would love to see someone tackle an Ewok novel aimed at adults. I know it sounds insane, but I think the right person could pull it off. And give the Ewoks some much-needed backstory and respect. Okay, I love his idea about an Ahsoka Tano novel of what was going on with her between Clone Wars and Rebels. Like, that would be amazing. And Dave Filoni writes, so, like, I think it would be amazing if he wrote it. Like, mm. that would be really cool. Um, I also like the idea of an Ewok novel. But if I was thinking about something that I would hope gets covered in the upcoming Star Wars novel, um, I'm going to think, do you know? I think, well, I'm agreeing with him. Like, I think an Ahsoka novel would be awesome. I'd read the heck out of that thing. And then I know he's kind of saying, I get, he says he's saying it seriously. I don't know if he really means it seriously, but the whole Ewok novel idea. Mm-hmm. I actually agree with him. I think that could work given the right mm -hmm. author. And I think it could be really cool because, yeah. you know, they, they're this really cool. I mean, it seems like they're almost like a warrior race of, of creatures. I don't know what you'd call them, but animals and they're not animals though. They're, they're beings. They're animals. So, so yeah, I think that would actually be very interesting. I don't know if, if Del Rey would ever take that risk but I would read it. Um, so yeah, I don't, I'm just going to agree with him and say both of those ideas are great. I don't really have you know, anything to add to it. I was thinking about it. I was kind of looking at my bookshelf and looking at all that stuff. I would like a book that really talks about like how to get in touch with like your force ghost person because... They mention it in the for or in the Phantom Menace at the end. Is it no Phantom Menace? Is it Revenge of the Sith? At the end of the Revenge of the Sith novelization about Qui Gon, um, for because Yoda says something to Obi Wan about Qui Gon, 
but they don't really go into that about how to do that. So like that'd be cool. Like an Obi Wan book that explores him getting in touch with like Force Ghost stuff. Hmm. And how to be a Force Ghost. I don't know. I just think it's a cool thing. It could just be like a like one of the guides. Oh yeah. I want a guide on lightsaber colors and lightsabers, please. <laughs> well they did have no, this is not canon anymore, but they did have the um, official guide to the Force. What was it called? Jedi versus Sith: The es- Essential yeah. Guide to the Force. I'm but that doesn't count anymore. So I know it doesn't. That. So I think something like that, but now based on canon sources, I know they're doing kind of like a military, you know, one coming up that is based on canon sources. So I think it'll be mm-hmm. cool for them to revisit some of these ideas for these essential guides, but now with canon information. All right, so I like this next email. It's from Dante, and his subject line says hi. And it says, so after Teresa asked people to send an email, even if it is just to say hi, I thought, sure, why not? I can say hi. Then Aaron seemed upset at the notion, which led me to rethink that. But Teresa stood her ground, so now it's more of a story. Utini <laughs> says, P.S. I appreciate your perspective on Aftermath, but I really didn't like it. It's been a while since I audiobooked it, but I just didn't get pulled into the characters or ever get a feeling of why I should care about the story. The only twists I recall there being were that Nora didn't die each of the many times Chuck tried to fake us out. Plus, that part with Timon jumping on the shuttle seemed too Mission Impossible. Although, I wonder if that was a young Han. I, I wonder if that was a young Han, I would have felt different. Oh, well. Still didn't like it, and I went into it understanding that they probably can't talk much about Han, Luke, and Leia until after The Force Awakens, and maybe even not until after Episode 8, The Wrath of Phasma. <laughs> I know it was mentioned about reading emails on this show, but just in case, don't feel obligated. Just write in to say hello, and I enjoy the show. Hi, Dante. Also, my, my wife walked in while I was writing the email, and she lovingly judged me. She's cool, though. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Everything about this email is fantastic. So, hi, Dante. How are you? What are you doing for your wife for Valentine's Day? Um, you know we're going to start I, getting replies now of what people are doing for their wives for Valentine's Day. Or what the girls are doing for their wives. If there's a girl population listening to Star Wars Bookworms, please email us because we got mostly emails from guys. So, get on your computer on your phone and send an email. Um I like his title for episode eight, number one. Number two, he makes some good points. Like, is while we gave Aftermath a favorable review, like, I still really didn't get pulled into the characters. But I have my fingers crossed for the next one, so. Yeah, and I like how he pointed out the all the fake-out death scenes where they made you think that Temin was dead or they made you think that Nora was dead and they actually weren't. I did, yeah, I did notice that. That happened a number of times in the novel. It's like uh, Lord of the Rings Return of the King where there was like an in- like 12 endings before it was really the ending. <laughs> you know it's true. It's very true. Although it may have been a while since you've seen that. Since I've seen it? Yeah. Oh, uh, maybe a year or so. Oh. I try to watch them once a year. Um, uh, yeah, about, yeah, something like that. All right. This is yours. I know. Well, actually, the last one was mine. You just you jumped on it. I did. But... My bad. <laughs> it's all good. All right. So this is from Joe Milanaro. And he says, Teresa and Aaron, in your last podcast, you mentioned that you do not get as many emails as you would like. Well, I hope this email finds you well. I wanted to let you know that I listen to just about every Star Wars podcast that I can. And he lists a number here. 
Rebel Force Radio, oh, Star Wars oh, Report. I thought you weren't going to say it. I know, I'm doing them. I'm doing them. <laughs> Star, Rebel Force Radio, Star Wars Report, Star Wars Underworld, Radio, Radio 1138, and, of course, Fangirls Going Rogue. Of course. I could go on and on. All of these have something to bring to the table. They all make me laugh and bring me info about Star Wars. It was not until the last few months that I found your podcast, and it has jumped right up to the top of the list. Hey, we're above Rebel Force Radio. Like the very top of the list, or is he just in general at the top of the list? (laughs) (laughs) He says, I read every single book that came out from the Thrawn trilogy until the Legends slash EU was wiped away with Disney. Hey, 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 now, let's let's not say it was Disney's fault, okay? He didn't say it was their fault. He just says it was wiped away, which is true. But Disney's not like a dish rag that you just go, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it continues. I was not sure what to expect of the new canon, but I have really enjoyed most of it. There was a clunker here or there, but I truly enjoyed A New Dawn, Tarkin, Lords of the Sith, Dark Disciple, and Aftermath. I was surprised how much I liked Before the Awakening, Perfect Weapon, and especially Lost Stars. I think there is so much to look forward to in the Star Wars universe when it comes to the books and I can honestly say that your podcast makes me excited about what is yet to come. Thanks for making it fun to read the books and then hear what other people think about them. Keep up the good work. Fan of the show, Joe Melinaro. Okay, Joe. Here's my one beef with your email. <laughs> he was so nice you're going to have any beef. I have one beef. You are not a fan. You are a listener. We don't have fans. We oh. have listeners. Because having fans makes me feel weird so you're a listener and we appreciate you listening and rock on you're a bookworm now if i had (laughs) buttons to give you through the podcast i would shove it right through (laughs) like i just did with that my computer screen with a star wars day at sea name tag badge (laughs) send joe a button well if joe goes to conventions you never know like uh comic-con or dragon con or celebration one of the many conventions that we frequent you know, we could always give him a button there. Sounds good. All right. Our last email is titled Episode 51 and Just High. And it is from our good friend, Chickafant. So really quick, I want to say publicly a big thank you to Chickafant. I just talked about my Star Wars Day at Sea name badge. That has my name written in Arabesh and the title of Sith below it. And I want to thank Chickafant because... They went on the Star Wars Disney Cruise Line, or on the Disney Cruise Line for Star Wars Day, and they got me the Star Wars Day at Sea name badge that you can get at the parks and stuff, and they did them at the, um, on the cruise, and so they got me one, and it's gorgeous and shiny and sparkly, and I love it, and it says my name in Orbesh. So, if I had places to wear them, I would, but I actually collect these. And they know that. So they got me one from Last Star Wars Weekends and from the Disney Cruise Ship. So that's awesome. So thanks, guys. Okay, the email says, Teresa and Aaron, thanks for sharing your thoughts on Star Wars Aftermath. My dad and I have listened to some of the recent Star Wars books in the new canon, and this was one of them. To be honest, it wasn't one of our favorites. Similar to you two, we didn't really connect to any of the main characters. The main story just didn't interest us. We enjoyed the interludes more because we got a better feel for what the universe was like after the Battle of Endor. That's what we were hoping for from the book, which goes to Aaron's point about how the way the book was marketed probably hurt how it was received by fans. If we decide to continue with the story when the rest of the trilogy comes out, maybe the core characters will grow on us at that time. 
I really enjoyed the little golden books of the first six films and look forward to the upcoming one for The Force Awakens. It'll be nice to hear your thoughts on the book once it's released. Keep up the fun discussions, and my dad and I will keep listening. Chick a fan. Well, we are excited about little golden books, and I'm hoping to get my hands on a bunch of them and then review them. And I'm surprised you don't have them. You're the one who has kids. Are you talking to me or Chick a fan now? You. Okay. Chick a fan does not have chick. Does not have kids. She doesn't have chicks. She doesn't. I have I've got a friend that's a cat though. I have a lot of Star Wars books for my kids, and I I actually have. I don't know if you've seen the the books where they have to. It's kind of like a Where's Waldo idea. Yeah. But they have little pictures, and you have to find them. And the, so that's kind of what Quinn likes. He likes those kind of books. Um, I actually haven't come across the little golden books in any stores. So, yeah. So if I, if I happen to come across them, I probably would get them. But, um, right now, you know, you can just buy them off Amazon for super cheap. I could, I could. So maybe you should do that. I might. For someone's birthday or something. I don't know. Well, yeah. I guess that's coming up, right? Quinn's birthday is coming up. Quinn's birthday is in March, March, right? Yeah. Yeah. See? Mm-hmm. Birthday ideas. Well, I knew your birthday was coming up in March too, so I wasn't sure if that was like. But a that's hint how for I remember you when to Quinn's get something. Or... No, that's how I remember when Quinn's birthday is because it's in March and mine's in March. It's really easy to remember other people's birthdays when they're in the same month as yours. True. It so is. yes, I those are books that I think would be cool to check out, and I have every excuse to do it because I have a three-year-old. So. You do. Yeah, you can get away with this. Me, on the other hand, when I get them, it's just like, why are you buying those? Because they're amazing. All right. Well, that is it for our emails. If you want to be featured on our next show, send us an email to starwarsbookworms at gmail.com. And we actually only got one email that had just just high. Yeah. So, And I actually am happy that that happened because I think <laughs> because I said that it was going to happen – I'm glad that somebody did it. (laughs) (laughs) I am glad somebody did it. He got more than he bargained for. I asked him all about his life. I expect to hear from you, Michael Shanahan. We need need another email. We need a follow-up from Michael. We need a follow-up on those. All those questions. All right. Well, let's get into this thing. So, The Force Awakens Visual Dictionary was written by Pablo Hidalgo. It was published by DK Publishing, and it was released the day of the movie, December 18th, 2015. The summary is as follows. It is the definitive guide to the characters, droids, aliens, and creatures of Star Wars The Force Awakens. Beautiful photography and clear authoritative text by Lucasfilm insider Pablo Hidalgo names and explains all the details of costumes, weapons, and accessories, including three exclusive specially commissioned cutaway models produced by Industrial Light and Magic model maker John Goodson. So Force Awakens Visual Dictionary. Did you... This has been my encyclopedia like after the movie. Every yeah. time I go and see it, I come home and I'm like, all right, what was that question I thought of in my head? Go to the book. We're in that awesome time period where it used to be if you're looking up something about any of the old Star Wars movies, prequels, you could go to Wikipedia and it has everything you want to know. But we're kind of in that nice phase where not everything's made it to Wikipedia yet. It's just bits and pieces. So we really have to do our research. We have to pick up these books, and I love it. I love having to go out and get these actual books, flip through the pages, find the facts, discover all this stuff. So, yeah, this is the one that I had to get as soon as possible. Yeah, I think I got this just a few days after the movie came out. Um, I just want to say that I love the very first page that has the title page. 
and the creature on the front named Wart, and it talks about its teeth and its limbs and stuff. It's pretty funny. Yeah, I think, so this is very similar to other visual dictionaries that we've gotten in the past, right? Mm-hmm. So they kind of stick to the form. I always, I think it's funny, um, and I don't know, I don't remember other visual dictionaries enough to know if this is something that was done in all of them, but the fact that they would have times where it would point out, like, somebody's facial expression, <laughs> like, like the most, <laughs> the most random things, I'm trying to, like, find one now, but I can't, but it's, like, determined face, or something like that, you know, pointing at their face, or just kind of some facts that are a little bit less needed but kind of it's almost like they're meant to be funny yeah before we get into it really though like i just want to say that the book is done beautifully the photography the images that they use the color schemes the way they organize stuff it's super easy to read it's easy to flip through whenever you just have a question the index is great the way they split everything up like all in all i think it was amazing um, the very first page that got me though, that I sit and look at over and over and over again is the new Atlas because to the star Wars Atlas book by Dan Wallace and Jason Fry was my go-to thing. I love that book, but since it's not canon anymore, I need a new Atlas book. And since that's not out, there's this page that shows where everything's located and I really needed to understand right after the movie what the heck a Hosnian Prime was. I remember thinking, what is that? And then where is that? And where is Starkiller Base? And where are all these planets at? <laughs> so I needed to find them. So it was great to do that. Plus we get the first look at what the New Republic logo looked like. The Resistance logo is the same as the Rebel logo. Um and we get a good look at the First Order logo, so I love all that. And then I love getting to read about all the planets. That was really cool. Yeah, and I think, I could be wrong about this, but I, well, they never actually say the name of the planet Dakar in the movie, right? No, they just talk about it being in the Ilenium system. Right. Sorry, so I just saw the movie yesterday. <laughs> So yeah, they so they mentioned Dakar, I think, in Lost Stars. It is in Lost okay. Stars. But Kindy, I, Kindy, and Thane actually go and survey the planet as a possible base for the rebellion. Right, which I didn't make that connection until I saw the name in here, because it wasn't mentioned in the movie. So mm -hmm. things like that. I just like to take note of some of the planets because oh. this is pretty cool. Um, so Mora Band, Felucia. Mandalore, um, let's see, one that's called <clears throat> Kuat, which I think is funny. Kuat, yeah. Kuat. That's That's like the, um, so from the EU, they had something called the Kuat Drive Yards, which mm. like, it's basically the place where they made a lot of the ships and stuff that were used in the galaxy. So I think that has found its way into canon. I think even through Rebels, um, that made it into canon. So let's see, Ricotta Prime. Rat Attack, which reminds me of a Pokemon. Which was originally the homeworld of Asajj Ventress until they changed it to Dathomir. Mm-hmm. Um, now Hutta. And then other ones from the movies, Malastare, Celeste, Dagobah, Utapau. 
Um, but what I think is cool is that, oh, Onderon, 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 um, they outlined the ones that were in the film that were used. So Dakar, Tokodana, Hosnian Prime, Jakku, and Starkiller Base. Which they're all pretty far apart. Yeah, like Starkiller Base blows up some stuff way far away from it. <laughs> yeah. Which I was like, huh, how did it not blow up things in between there? But I think it's just a really cool. I like the Atlas page. It's my favorite page. Really? Although the second, the next page after that competes with it. Which is BB-8. Yes. I didn't like it when they. So when you get to the BB-8 page, you have to do the whole like centerfold turn. And I don't like that. You don't? That bothered me as I'm reading. I'm like, oh, now I got to get it. Like I'm comfortable now. I got to adjust myself to do this thing. Even right now, I'm like, it's awkwardly. I'm trying to turn it and. Still have my face close enough to the microphone. He's a BB-8 unit with a selenium power drive. Yes. we. <laughs> you did just see the movie yesterday, didn't I you? I really did just see the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw it on Saturday. So, so yeah. Some of these lines are starting to stick with me after seeing it seven times. I just really love BB-8. He's great. Anything on the BB-8 page that sticks out to you? Something that you were surprised to learn? Picture of him and Poe. Um, not anything I was surprised to learn. They go kind of in depth, but like, you know. He uses twenty-seventh generation droid speak. Oh, that's that's pretty interesting. That's fancy. A compressed variant of the most common astromech language. He has a dense shell and sealed access points to prevent dust contamination that would have seized the servo motors of older models. I wonder if the one thing we haven't seen in any canon source yet is other droids that look like BB-8. So I wonder how long they'll keep him. Because, you know, R2-D2, we have so many different R2 units. Um, So I wonder if they'll keep him very unique and not, not give us a lot of droids or any other droids that have that, you know, spherical base. Hmm. I don't know. So then we go on, go on and we get Poe Dameron. And it's a pretty cool page. Shows his X-Wing and the goggles he uses to see the stormtroopers. Talks about where he was born and raised. All that stuff. He has weatherproofed adventurer boots. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this In is other words, the... this is the sexy page of the Visual Dictionary. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were more of a Kylo Ren fan. Um, um, have you seen Adam Driver? I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know if that's a positive or negative. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> I am a, I am an Oscar Isaac fan. I like Kylo Ren, but I, I, I'm sort of in love with Poe Dameron. So um, this is one of the examples of where I was kind of talking about the, the kind of funny notes like so they have one line that's pointing to his hair and it says tousled hair from wearing helmet that's great it's like okay <laughs> thanks pablo and i like this one so when it's pointing at his supporter unit it says pose lucky frytech life supporter unit <laughs> i guess that means he just keeps that one with him at all times I guess. he never upgrades it but yeah some pretty cool information there. Laura Santeca, I thought was the, this is the next page. This is where I started to f- find information I thought was really interesting that was not in the movies. Because he's one of those characters that we don't know anything about Yep. at all. In the movie, it doesn't really reveal much about him. In fact, I don't think 
they even say his name in the movie. Mm-hmm. So kind of learning in here that he's got a bit of a history with um, with characters like Leia. Um, I thought that was kind of cool. It says, like, here's here's something in his data file. Lore is old enough to have witnessed Jedi Knights prior to the Clone Wars. He never believed the lies that painted them as traitors. So he's he's been familiar with the Jedi Order uh, for quite a while. Right. Well, and it says further down that Lore Senteca uncovered much of the history of the Jedi Knights that the Galactic Empire had tried so hard to erase. Others now seek him for his knowledge of Jedi, Jedi secrets, and then they talk about him being a keeper of the faith in the Jedi and the Church of the Force, that he was a follower of the Church of the Force, which is kind of cool because um, Maz Kanata, they talk about her later, that she also followed the Church of the Force uh, and believing in the Force and being Force-sensitive. So I think that's pretty neat. Yeah, so it's interesting that he he ended up on the same planet as as um, Ray. So it'll be it'll... yeah. Some people are speculating on that. What that means? I just think it's a coincidence. No, <laughs> I don't know what it means. No, I, and I don't think we should know yet. But I think there will be some things that will be revealed eventually that will make more sense. But yeah, I I that was one of my favorite things about you know, this book was just being able to find out information because one thing I will say about the force awakens, as much as I love that movie, it did leave you asking a lot of questions. A lot of things that you saw, you're just like, what was that? Or like, I felt like there just wasn't enough detail given, um, on certain things, especially someone like Laura Santeca. So I'm glad that we have these books. It's almost required reading, which I'm really, I like that, which I like that aspect of it. Yeah, I definitely like it too. Um, so yeah, it'd be nice. It'd, it'd be nice if everybody had a copy of this. Like, as you're walking into The Force Awakens, they hand you this. <laughs> <laughs> Please read this. Now, the next couple of pages are about Stormtroopers, but I think it's neat that we have an FN2187 page, and then we have a Finn page. So he gets two, and I think that's cool because he is two different people. FN2187 is not the same person that is in the rest of the movie. And I think that that's a pretty cool distinction. Um we learn a lot about Finn as the movie goes on, but you know, there are some cool things in here. Um, nothing. I think that was too like earth shattering that we didn't already know. Yeah. Just a lot of cool information about their equipment and things like that. Like details on what things are called. Um, Mm -hmm. but nothing. Yeah. Story wise, really nothing added. Right. So then we get on to Kylo Ren, you know, like, I don't really know if we should go into every page because that's, there's just too much stuff, but, um, the Kylo Ren page is pretty interesting because it does talk about his helmet. It talks about like where he kind of got the design from, talks about savaging or savaging, scavenging Vader's mask from the funeral pyre of Endor, those kind of things that we get two pages on Kylo Ren. We get the Kylo Ren, the commander sort of guy and then we get kylo ren the dark warrior like the not quite sith but his sithy side if you will and talking about his lightsaber combat and talking about his lightsaber it breaks down his lightsaber um how he connects with the dark side stuff like that yeah and i think that one of the things about kylo ren in the in the movie when he has the big lightsaber battle at the end and people were trying to like justify 
oh, how do these untrained, you know, non-Jedi hold their own against him? And one of the explanations was, oh, well, maybe he's just not that good of a lightsaber fighter, you know, or maybe he's not trained that well. But this book kind of dispels that because it does actually talk about his lightsaber combat. And um, I'll just read this part here because I think it's pretty interesting. The lightsaber skills of Kylo Ren are ironically responsible for that elegant weapon and its combat forms remaining unknown to the galaxy at large. Kylo Ren betrayed the other Jedi students studying with Master Luke Skywalker and is responsible for their destruction. He has well earned the nickname Jedi Killer, whispered in the First Order ranks as it was his deadly lightsaber skills that prevented the return of the Jedi Order. Yep, and that solidified me saying that Kylo Ren was not the one who turned on Luke. When I read that, I was like, well, dang. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he, he was the Jedi killer. And I'm wrong. So, so I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, we got Phasma. Mm-hmm. Some, uh, the, the one thing interesting I thought about Phasma was that her armor is actually made out of um, melted down parts of like one of Palpatine's old shuttles. That's which cool. I which I thought was so random, and I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." I I don't think I probably would have ever found that out if I hadn't read this book. <laughs> so then we move on to Ray, and Ray gets two pages. Just Ray as the scavenger, sort of describing all of her stuff, everything she's got, um, things we see in her ad ad house, like her Alliance pilot doll um, from when she was ten years old that she found that she made, I guess, from debris she found in the junk fields. Talks about her speeder, all of that kind of really cool stuff. Talks about how old she is. She's 19. And then we get a page on her survivor spirit where it talks about her blaster and then the Skywalker lightsaber and the awakening of the force within her. Stuff like that. Her interactions with Maz Kanata and you know, all about her, like, outfit and stuff like that. So that's cool. I really like all of that. Yeah, and if you look at the if you look at the Ray pages and the Starship Graveyard and Nima Outpost, all of that information, Uncar Plut, like, you can find a lot of that same information in a different format in Ray's journal. Mm-hmm. Or is it Ray's survival, survival guide. guide? Yeah, Ray's survival guide. Um, so this is kind of laying it out more as like the visual dictionary style, but if you kind of want it from her perspective, but a lot of the same information, um, definitely pick up that book. Now, there was a, a thing on Uncar Plutt's page that I actually found very interesting, and it was talking about the food that he gives them, because I I was like, what the heck is that? So he takes in stuff and gives them food. Well, the green stuff is veg meat, is what it is, mm. and the the dusty stuff is polystarch, and so the ration packs themselves, um, salvaged from the New Republic and Imper- Imperial military kits, and the dehydrate dehydrated rations need to be activated with pure water, which is also another item that Unkar Plutz sells. So you have to get both from him, in order to be able to survive and not die. Yeah, I'd love to learn a little bit more about his history. I guess he he comes from a aquatic planet, which is kind of interesting that he ended up on a desert planet. But um, yeah, just how did he gain so much power that he was able? I guess you know. Um, because his name is Simon Pegg, and that's what they said. <laughs> but I think probably because he maybe was one of the first people to get there, and you know, kind of scavenge this stuff, so he has all the food and all the water that he can make himself, you know, in that position. But yeah, he's kind of the job of the hut of. Jakku. 
I just love that the Insta bread is not actually CGI. It's for real. Like they actually made Insta bread. I know. That's really weird. cool. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about Hux for a minute. I really thought he was great, and every time I watch the sh- the movie and he does his speech and they put their fists in the air, he's got the Tarkin flared out hip pants. Yep. You know all that stuff. I I see him as a young Tarkin, and I I like it. And they also go into the colors of the ranks of the insignia, which I think is pretty neat too. Which they actually name. They actually have like the names of like famous Imperials emblazoned across their their uniforms in Arabesh, which I mm-hmm. thought was interesting. If you translate some of them, it's kind of cool to see which ones are on there. I think the Tarkin is actually is on there. Um, you know your Arabesh way better than I do. The one that says Major is mm. that actually says Tarkin there. So yeah, it's pretty cool. And so then we go through, you know, all the TIE fighter pilots, the TIE fighters, all that stuff. And we get to a page about Han. Um, I don't know if we really find anything super interesting. I thought, so I did see something I thought was really interesting was that he actually was a, he became a racing pilot for a time after Return of the Jedi. Huh. Which I didn't, in the, where it says old habits. Oh, yeah. It says, uh, Han Solo's life took unexpected turns as he became a husband to an influential New Republic politician, a family man, and for a time, a successful racing pilot. I was like, oh, it's interesting. One of the things I found on his page was the pair of dice. Yes. The golden pair of dice that he used when he won the Millennium Falcon from Lando. He saved those. So and that's they look like neat. actual, the same kind of dice we have in our universe, so. Mm-hmm. A little bit of crossover there. Then we go on to Chewie. Uh, I don't know if there's really anything there other than that he's 234 years old. And he's actually considered relatively young, right? Or approaching, or not yet approaching middle age, so. Yeah. So that's good to know. And that that's actually something I, you kind of wondered with, with the movie coming out. It's like, oh, are they going to age him up? Is he going to have some gray hair? But no, he's still relatively young Wookiee, so. I did find, I did realize, I didn't ever know what was kind of the deal with his bandolier. Mm-hmm. And, like, what was in all those little boxes. So now we just know it's ammo for his bowcaster. I think I just kind of assumed that. Or that it was decoration. I don't, yeah, I always thought it was more decorative. And I think the EU kind of ran with it being some kind of part of his honor and blah, blah, blah. So I'm kind of glad that it's a little bit more functional than that. And then we get some stuff about the Rathars, which I just was assuming they were squid octopus type things. And then um, we get to go into the Guavian Death Gang and Balatik and all that stuff and Conja Club. Tell that to Conja Club. <laughs> I thought it was cool that Rathars, um, they, it's believed that they may have some common ancestry with Sarlax, which makes a lot of sense. It does, because their design sort of looks like that. They look like a Sarlacc that has escaped the sand. Right. So. A, a non-sand Sarlacc. Um, let's see. Then we get into General Organa, and we get to learn about rank badges for the Resistance and what all of that means. I don't know if there was anything. I can't remember. I'm looking really quick. If there was anything on this page that really stuck out to me, I don't think there was. Yeah, the Resistance Commanders have some interesting uniforms. 
That would probably be a pretty easy cosplay. Mm. If you wanted to dress in all brown. Yeah, it just looks like uh like their jackets are made out of felt. <laughs> well, and then we get to the page about the resistance pilots, and here we have Snap Wexley, otherwise known as Temin Wexley. Which they never refer to him as Temin in here, which I I'm curious as to why they don't. Well, I think we'll find out in the trilogy. So, but it does say Snap hails from Akiva on outer rim, an outer rim world that was an imperial base until it was liberated by the New Republic. He is the son of a Rebel Alliance Y-Wing pilot who flew at the Battle of Endor. Now a captain in the Resistance, Snap is the best recon flyer in the force with a keen eye for trouble and the piloting skill to evade it. So they don't go into a lot of detail there, but enough that we can make that connection. Yep, and we know that his... That pilot they're referring to as Nora Wexley. So. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of keep going here and talk about the ground crew and the blue droid PZ. PZ4CO, otherwise known as PZ. Then we get some R2 and 3PO stuff. I like this part, though, about C-3PO. It says, C-3PO has upgraded his TranLang 3 communications package to increase his language fluency to over 7 million forms of communication. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't say that in the movie. Me too. We got the we got the story coming up about his red arm. Yes, that's coming out in the comics soon. They're making such a big deal about that red arm. I hope it's something really it's, good. <laughs> it's probably not. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess this next page is the people that all the people that died. Yeah, and I Senate. like this page, the Senate page, because it, talk, it talks about Corsella, which we know there are some deleted scenes between Leia and Corsella that were pretty interesting conversations and stuff like that, but they cut that out. We get to see the senator or from Naboo, who I do have. I've looked for all these people, and so I've seen them all. We see the Chancellor Villachem who is there front and center when Hosnian Prime is blown up. So we do get to see all of that, and we now can now put it together that they blew up all of the prominent people. Good job, First Order. Jerks. <laughs> Speaking of them, Starkiller Base. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this, this one guy always sticks out to me, Lieutenant Rodinon. Mm -hmm. Now I know his name. But he's the one that, like, freaks out and runs out He's of the like, room even general hux isn't here yeah i love that's my favorite <laughs> i want a t-shirt that says that <laughs> general <Huxley>. that line <laughs> and then because it's colonel datu who's this guy next to him that is like lieutenant what are you doing and he's like look around you <laughs> we're all gonna die yeah which i'm pretty sure most of them did if you weren't on that special shuttle that was getting kylo ren off the planet you probably didn't make it right and then we get, we move on to the Maz Kanata page, which I thought was super interesting. Just getting look, to look at all of the little knickknacks and stuff that were all over, as well as the band. Um, I like that she has a statue of an ancient Jedi master, Master Sheriff Myota, who I looked for that during the um, Force Vision scene, which I did see this last time. So... This is sort of interesting stuff. I think it's interesting. Now, this is the first time I saw like evidence that she actually is strong in the Force. 
because I know in the movie, I, I think there were some cutscenes that indicated it, but really mm-hmm. she never, there's never any indication other than that she has knowledge of the Force, she obviously has respect for the Force, but that she actually herself was a Force user was never really indicated. So I thought that it was good to get that confirmed here in the in the visual dictionary. Well, and after you read this and then you see the movie a few times, you start to pick up that she is sensitive in the Force, but you have to read this and be looking for it. Right. Apparently there was a cut scene where she was actually supposed to stop some of the like stones from falling, like using the force and holding them in the air as the castle was collapsing. So that would have been a dead giveaway. That would have been cool. And then we move on to Maz's castle. The character that stands out the most to me here is Wolivian or Wolivan. Sorry, not Wolivian. Wolivan. Um, because that is Warwick Davis's character. He's an interstellar scout and hyperspace trailblazer. The inquisitive Wolivian sells or gambles away valuable astrogational data and scavenged trinkets to smugglers and traders. He looks like a mole. A little bit. And there's more castle guests. There's the Hosk triplets that look like werewolves. I love Maz's castle. It's really cool. I every do time, like it. Every time I've seen the movie and they open the doors and that music starts, it's just like, ah. Uh, I actually like that music. I don't know if this is blasphemy to say. It is a little bit, but I agree with you. I actually really like that song. I like it better than the uh, the Cantina band music. I like it. I think it's really cool. Yeah. So overall, like I love the visual dictionary and I feel like it's essential for any Star Wars fan to have because if you have questions, you can just go to the visual dictionary and there are at least some sort of an answer, if not an exact answer, and I think it is just gorgeously done overall. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Um I love these kind of books. This is perfect for just being able to pick up, flip to any page you want. You know, I'm the kind of person I just picked it up and read it you know, from the beginning to end, but you don't have to do it that way. You know, you can just pick it up, flip to any page. There's all this cool information in it. Um, love these kind of books, so can't wait to get more. We need the Rogue One Visual Dictionary, but it needs to come out before the movie is released. Yeah, bring it out just a little bit before so we have a chance to read. Like the week before, <laughs> not yeah. the day of. All right. Well, I think that brings this episode to a close. On our next episode, we're going to be reviewing Before the Awakening and a comic, but we haven't picked which one yet. So, comic coming up. We're, if you that, have an opinion about which one you would like, I guess, to review, let us know. That'll be after, hopefully, our interview with right. Pablo Hidalgo. So in between shows, you can get a hold of us on Twitter. We are at SWBookworms. And please email us, StarWarsBookworms at gmail.com. And you can like us on Facebook. Um, look for all the latest updates. Um, you know, anytime there's something coming out, comics, books, any announcements, things like that, we put them over there. Um, you can also leave us a review on iTunes. If you listen to our show and you enjoy it, we would love for you to head over to iTunes and leave us a nice five-star review. You can find Teresa on Twitter and Instagram at IceColdPenguin. And you can find me at AVGoins. So until next time, keep on reading and may the force be with you.